the Celtics storm back to even the series. The Warriors and Grizzlies played something. And the coach of the year and the MVP have been either renounced or reported. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can check out a live video version of the show. Enjoy that on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Check out PricePicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host over at Locked On Nuggets. His name is David Ramil. He's co-host of Locked On Heat, where he's got a nice night off away from the Heat Sixers intensity. Uh, and David, it was an ugly night of basketball. Defenses ruled the day. <laughs> Um, offenses had kind of a rough night, but in the end, uh, one series is, looks to be headed in one definite direction and the other series out in Milwaukee is all tied up. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. There were times definitely during that game between the Warriors and Grizzlies where I wasn't sure what the hell I was watching. That was pretty horrific basketball. A lot of three point shooting, none, neither team making their shots. And yet, uh, it come down to a pretty exciting end, actually, as Steph Curry finally clicked into gear and wound up igniting the Warriors. But to your point, let's start off over in Milwaukee, where Al Horford turned back the clock and had himself a huge fourth quarter to lead the Celtics to a comeback victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a hell of a game by Horford. Yeah, it was a it was a weird game in that. Um... This is one that I think the Bucks are, are going to want to have back. The Celtics, I think, have two games that they want to have back, game one and game three. They, they had chances to win both of those. This is the one that the Bucks let get away. 116-108. Uh, Boston gets the win in Milwaukee to even the series. Uh, you know, look, Boston at the half had a better shooting percentage, and they had hit more threes and all of these things, and yet the Bucks had a lead. They wound up hitting uh, five more threes. Then the Bucks tonight, they shot 50% from the field, which is actually excellent given how ugly this game felt at times. Uh, yeah. But in reality, it was that fourth quarter push, as David mentioned. Like it's, It was really just came down to a fourth quarter uh, surge. The Celtics score 43 points. Again, what has been an impenetrable, awesome, unstoppable Bucks defense led by Al Horford in that fourth quarter, as you mentioned. And... I mean, let's just start here. Um, I continue to kind of make this point, and Horford has been a winner everywhere he's gone. And I feel like this gets really under the radar that Al Horford's not like a household name, and that irritates me. This is a two-time national champion in college, okay? He goes to the NBA, and immediately his team makes the playoffs with him in a starting role. He makes the playoffs every season, Every season in the NBA until he misses one year because he's out hurt with the Hawks, then makes it every year until last year where he basically had a sabbatical being traded to OKC because Philadelphia couldn't make it work with a guy who has won everywhere. But even I, big Al Horford fan, my favorite Al Horford memory is talking about Spanish poetry at the All-Star game. Love Al Horford. Yeah. I can't believe what he pulled off tonight. 
playoff career high, 30 points, hit like every three-pointer that they needed, he hit. Every turnaround shot that they needed, he hit. Giannis goes and dunks on him and just rudely. And Al looks at him and says, okay, I see you. And then goes back on the other end a couple minutes later, and he dunks on Giannis. Just an insane performance from the veteran. David, I want more people to recognize how awesome Al Horford's career and season has been. I'm right there with you. Uh, A long time ago, what seems like an eternity ago, covering Miami, and there was a summer where it was a decision between Hassan Whiteside and Al Horford. And I'm going, Al Horford, take (laughs) Al Horford. Instead, they throw $90 million to waste at Hassan Whiteside. Uh, With Horford and his dad having played at, well, his dad playing at University of Miami, I thought it was a no-brainer. The Latin community would have embraced him. It would have been such a nice fit for a, a center who just stretched the floor, Brought veteran leadership to a young team, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I can't, I can't, I'll never forgive the Miami Heat front office for all the right moves they've made. That was a head scratcher for sure. But back to the game. That dunk uh, from Giannis, uh, you know, Al Horford in the parlance of our times, he took it personally. He did not like that whatsoever and became incensed. You never see that kind of rage and emotion. He always keeps it not necessarily bottled up, but certainly in check. And you could see him playing with absolute just, you know, just. Fury behind everything he did, intent, purpose. He was fantastic out there. What a force. And to see him just shoot the ball so comfortably in that fourth quarter. We had 16 huge points. And to lead Boston to a comeback win like that. I mean, I thought Milwaukee was going to put it away, to your point earlier. You know, their defense has been so good. They were getting this monster performance from out of the cupo. And then all of a sudden, Horford says, you know what? Not tonight. I'm going to carry this team. Uh, And Jason Tatum follows suit. He winds up matching Horford with a big fourth quarter himself. Just a fantastic performance from them. I think there was a key moment there where where, uh, Ime Odoka decides to go with Derek White, and he plays him the entire fourth quarter to provide that kind of incredible defense, just limiting what they could do. Just another player to kind of throw out there, cause a little chaos defensively, and it really swung things in Boston's favor. And then to get that kind of offensive production from Horford tonight was a, a fantastic, bold move from Odoka, who's been a really underrated coach this season. All that said, I got to say, like, it took 30 from Al Horford. It took (laughs) 16 in the fourth quarter from Horford. It took a monster Tatum game with him having a huge fourth quarter as well. 30 points, 13 rebounds, five assists for Tatum, uh, who struggled for most of the night and then just went nuts in that fourth quarter, hitting contested shots. took all that for them to get by here. Now, look, evens the series. They They retook home court. They're favored now again in the series, but... I think Milwaukee's very live. Look, the, the issue here with Milwaukee continues to be the same thing. I feel like it is every single year, which is, hey, if you don't hit good looks, you're not going to win. And this is good. Drew Holiday, 5 of 22 from the field. Yeah. The numbers yeah. on this were crazy, David. So Drew plays 40 minutes and 54 seconds. Okay? So he basically plays 41 minutes. And they're a minus 23 in a game they lost by 8. So they were plus 15 in the eight minutes Drew Holiday did not play, including they were a plus one in the minutes where in Drew and Giannis is plus or 41 minutes of play. Um, on top of it, Grayson Allen has really been picked on defensively. He was a minus 10 in his 28 minutes. He just yeah. seems unplayable, but Bud keeps giving him opportunities. Uh, no Javon Carter tonight, which I think was a huge mistake given how Javon has played throughout this series, but Drew Holiday is one of six. Grayson Allen goes one of four. The Bucks as a team shoot nine of 27 from three. Not all great looks. These are two great defenses, but to me, um, you know, we're, we're reaching that point. It's two, two. 
this does feel like a lot of this is just going to come down to shot variants. And while that definitely, I think, leans a little bit towards Boston with with who they have, I still think that Milwaukee is very live to win this series. I, I don't think that they have any issues with going like they've already beaten Boston on the road. Yeah, um, good point. Going to be, I think, really fascinating. I think this is going seven. Yeah, I, I I think it was kind of starting to trend that way anyway. Like you could see between these two teams, not necessarily being evenly matched, just having these two stellar defenses that can really carry a team or shut down what the opposing offenses are doing. And that's that's for Boston, you know, to their credit. They were doing this all without the time lord, Robert Williams, who sat out the game uh, due to knee soreness and that surgically repaired knee of his. So he was not available tonight. They started Grant Williams in his place. He had a pretty solid game overall. Not spectacular, but he did – had a nice couple of plays there, finished with nine points on uh, three of nine shooting from the floor, also had four rebounds. So a decent game from him with a, a minus 17. I did not I did not expect that. When looking at the box score, I did not expect that because I thought he was more impactful in his minutes, but he, he wound up having a pretty okay game. Uh, overall, though, I, to your point, I think, yes, they are going to go seven. These two teams just... The, the ability to show that they can win on the road like this uh, it has not been a factor. Just that has it, you know, in my in the Miami Philadelphia series again, both teams two and two now, and yet they have only won at home. Conversely, these two teams have already won on the road. Uh, I don't think any either team really has home court advantage in this case. So because of that, those defenses, because of the shot variance being the deciding factor on a game to game basis, and it's just a, a toss up from here on out to see who wins Game Five. It should be an exciting series, and it should go seven. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about. Um, oh boy, there there was there was a a, a quote unquote basketball <laughs> game out in the Bay. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first, I need to tell you about Prize Picks. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you got to try the award winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We love it. And we know that you're going to too. It's so easy to use. You just pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on an entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Here's one. Going to take uh, Danny Green under since he decided to hit uh, every three on the uh, ever possible, seems like, in the games in Philadelphia and was absolutely wretched in the games in Miami. Go ahead and keep thinking that Danny can't shoot on the road there. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can use the award-winning app on the App Store or Google Play. They've got every prop you can think of, from point score to rebounds, even steals. Maybe if you're going with the Dylan Brooks prop, don't go with point scored, just as a heads up. <laughs> Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries, so you can get in NBA, but also college basketball, college football, NFL, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. And for a limited time, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you have to use code NBA. That's right, an exclusive offer available for our Locked On fans. Just sign up today and use code NBA, and you'll get $50 for free if a player in your first entry scores a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We're also brought to you today by Athletic Greens Company. So it comes in this really cool bottle. Okay, yep. little bag. You got a little, nice little cool jar on the side. You just put it there by your coffee in the morning. That's what I do. I just have it, have it by my coffee. So I get the coffee pot and I fill up the coffee with water. And then I do my coffee and have it brewing. And then immediately shift and put in the scoop into the water bottle that they give you with the pack. Okay, you get one scoop, fill it, and you're set to go for the day. It has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, superfoods. 
adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's going to help you. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you're vegan or dairy free or gluten free, it's good for you. It contains less than one gram of sugar. It's got no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. It's got less than $3 a day cheaper than that cold brew habit that you've been keeping. A lot of people take a multivitamin and you just wind up taking like 16 different things. This is going to hit you with all of it. It's a micro habit with big benefits. And it's something you can do every single day to take care of yourself. Your subscription comes with a year supply of vitamin D, and which is so important throughout the year. It gets you ready for the entire year. It's going to make you feel better. It's all there for you. It's got so many things for you. Athletic Greens is over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes and health experts like Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements, and Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We'll be right back on Locked on NBA. Here on Locked On NBA, thanks for making us part of your day and your first listen each and every day. Make sure that you check out uh, the Locked On NBA Big Board. It's absolutely fantastic. It's got Rafe Bartholomew, all sorts of great stuff. It covers the NBA draft. It's going to get you set for the draft lottery, which is happening. Guess what? Today, that's happening. That's a thing that's happening. Um, it's going to be coming at you. Make sure to check out the Locked On NBA Big Board uh, with host Raphael Barlow from the NBA Draft Junkies an author of the NBA Big Board Newsletter, joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thillen to give fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and, of course, the big boards. Check it out wherever you get podcasts. All right, back here on Lockdown NBA, David Ramil. Okay, David, um, so my, my big takeaway, look, we could we could rattle on about how much the Warriors-Grizzlies game sucked, and it did. There's games Dude. that are defensive-minded and are tough, and then there are games that just suck. And this game was just terrible. It was a terrible yep. game. It was badly played and badly shot. Um, nobody, there was lots of turnovers. It was, there's was too much three point shooting. The Grizzlies go nine of 35. The Warriors go nine of 37. Steph Curry goes four of 14. My thing being a little like big, I, I got, a, got a thing for the Grizz is this is just like a heartbreaker. And it's one of those, there are just teams that win these types of games, and there's just teams that don't. And the Memphis Grizzlies, without John Morant, couldn't win well, this game. Had a lead, couldn't get it done. Yeah, I, the the emotional instability of this series has been so much fun to watch because there's so much contention between these two teams. It's been uh, an aggressive series on both fronts, very physical. Of course, there was the, the injury to Gary Payton the second. There was also, of course, uh, the injury to John Morant. Uh, Dylan Brooks comes back from sus- his one-game suspension for game four. Uh, they're starting Steven Adams. So there's all these weird factors. And then you think it's going to wind up erupting into this really fun and yet angry mess. And it didn't feel like that at all. There was some tension there, but mostly because Golden State fans were booing Brooks every time he touched the ball. Other than that, it really was just, as you said, ugly basketball. 
Uh, nobody seemed to have any kind of clear purpose with what they were doing. And then to see Steph Curry and Clay Thompson both just miss everything. I think they missed like their first, I don't know, I mean, I'm exaggerating here, but I felt like their first like 15 or 20 three-pointers couldn't seem to hit anything. And Curry wound up having a, a nice stretch later in the fourth quarter. But as far as this game is concerned, it was just just horrific. Bad for the eyes. Give me the bleach so I could just wash it from my memory immediately because this was not great. But uh, as far as um, you know, Memphis's inability to win the big game, I you know I thought there was a point there, like earlier in the season, and I know that's the regular season, so you can discount it as you will. Without Morant in the lineup, they were showed some real poise. They showed some kind of temerity there because they were without Morant. They were able to rely on guys like Bain and Brooks and others to kind of carry the team. That wasn't the case tonight. They just didn't seem to have any kind of real superstar quality and that's despite the, the fact that they had a nice performance off the bench by uh, uh anderson he came in with 17 yeah, points great. yeah he was really solid for them except two of seven from the free throw line so he couldn't hit a free throw to save his life but still wound up having some really nice shots at the rim etc uh he was a saving grace there for them but uh you know an ugly game uh i, I don't know what to say here about memphis because i, I don't I don't know what the timeline is for Morant as he's going to be available for game six, but, uh, or game five, excuse me, but, uh, just, I don't know that they, I mean, Golden State now, they're just, they're too experienced. They've been in this position before. They don't want to give Memphis any lifeblood back. They don't want to give them any chance at, you know, having to, uh, you know, possible comeback or anything like that. I think they'll close out the series the next time they come down to Memphis. No Steve Kerr in this game. Test positive yeah. for COVID. Uh, so, the coach of the Kings coached <laughs> the team from San Francisco that used to be in Oakland against the team in Memphis. That That's what it is. It's, it's it's the Kings connection, Matt, to your yeah. point. I mean, I know you've been really fond of the Kings all season, and I, I think he contaminated this game somehow. His hiring – Really stuck up the game. That's probably yeah. But he also won a playoff game, which is very unKings like. So. <laughs> yeah, that's hasn't Man, happened I felt, in a long time. No, I feel bad for Kings fans. Like this was unnecessary after the game. Steph talking about his shooting. You talk yeah. about historically bad shooting. I feel like we got traded to the Kings overnight. That's not <laughs> nice. That's that's just not nice at all. Um, well deserved, but not nice. Yeah, Steph Curry with an incredible flop, by the way, at the end of the game that they didn't challenge, which just. I'm so tired of players falling down, David. I'm just, I'm so tired of, of players. <laughs> Try covering the 76ers series. Yeah, I'll tell you. Just, Sorry. just horrendous. Um, Dylan Brooks is going to be the the goat in terms of the, the not the greatest of all time, but just the goat, right. the guy that's going to be at blame for this. Five of 19 from the field, two of nine from three. There is one, we're in a lot of op- options. Here's honestly the big deal. If you want to know like the, like a big reason that this happened, not only was Jai out, obviously, um, and not only is Memphis like a, a young team that's still trying to figure it out, yeah. Desmond Bain's clearly not healthy. Like that back, you could just tell that he's just not the same dude. Here's a good example for Bain to only have eight shots in this game with Jaw yeah. out. Yeah. Like you can talk about Desmond, about, about Dylan Brooks taking over the shots. I think he was taking them because nobody else could create one because Desmond had no shake, no lift, no ability to get separation. And so. Yeah, I go back and I've gone back and forth about whether or not I think Memphis is going to be able to take game five, right? Because it's like you're down 3 1. Warriors can close the door. They've already won there. All those things. I still kind of feel like Memphis might be able to. I think it probably comes down to Jaws availability. We'll see if Jaws, if Jaws out, I can't. No chance. I, I think there's a chance just because they had a chance tonight. They're in, they're in Golden State and they still had a lead down the stretch. But boy, um, uh, here, one more, one more take for you. Uh, this game is a good example of why, uh, look, um, I have a Warriors title ticket. 
Uh, I've said I like the Warriors to win the NBA title for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. I've said that I think they're like at least a contender. I think it's it's I thought it was Bucks or them, and then with the Celtics, you have to include the Celtics. I like the Warriors over the Suns. This team is just not inevitable the way that some of the teams of of old with Golden State were. And this game, I think, is an example of it where, like, can you imagine a couple of years ago, Steph going 10 to 25 from the field and 4 or 14 from three? Absolutely not. Like, Clay, okay. Like, Clay Thompson, coming back off of those injuries, going 0 for 7 from three, 6 to 20. Again, another example of how, like, Memphis had a game given to them and they couldn't close. But, like, this isn't – there are nights when the Warriors' offense looks pedestrian. You can slow them down. You can stop them. And I think that's going to be one of the reasons why they're not going to, I don't think they're going to just steamroll. I think they've got as good a chance as anybody to win the NBA title because they do have so much talent and they are so good and they have so much defense. And I think they're well coached, but unless Steph Curry gets back to, to splashing real quick, it's not going to be nearly as easy as some of their other roads. Uh, I think. But how much of how much of tonight's poor shooting was actually can you attribute to Memphis's defense? Because I have to say, like, I mean, I, I don't know that either team played spectacular defense, at least not for long stretches of the game. I mean, especially when it came to the shooting too. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, Golden State had their looks; it just the shots weren't falling. I mean, yeah, but that's the thing, on. though. That actually makes me more co- like you can solve a good defense. This team is good enough and has enough talent to where you, like good offense is going to be good defense. Is that consistently this season? This is like, do you remember the shooting drop from from Steph midseason? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, like, that's my thing. It's just like they're they're like the 2015 and 2016 teams. Only if they were mortal, like if they actually yeah. bled human blood. Um, yeah. That's what this team basically reminds me of. So, well, um, we're also see. overlooking the fantastic performance from Otto Porter Jr. I mean, he was fantastic tonight. Four of seven from the floor. It's a big shots out of stretch as well to complement Curry shooting in the fourth quarter. Finish with twelve overall points. So. Nice boost off the bench for uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors there to have Porter come in and eh, provide some timely shooting, help carry things until Steph kind of remembered, oh, yeah, I am one of the best shooters at the planet, and I can't actually hit shots. That's right. Uh, All right, let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll talk about some awards that came in, including it turns out that, uh, well, no matter who was in Philadelphia last week, uh, Joel Embiid is not the MVP. We'll talk about that when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first thing to tell you about Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Uh, find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. I had uh, Celtics tonight, and then I got Bucks plus 200 to hedge out of it, so I didn't have to worry about it, and I got good value on both sides. Love the live betting over Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for making us part of your day and your first listen each and every day. Make sure to check out after tonight's, this is Tuesday's episode, Tuesday's after tonight's episode or game of game five between the Heat and the Sixers. Make sure to check out Locked On Heat with David Rommel. Great show. Wonderful commentary. Good discussion. Uh, 
David, I need, I need the Heat to hit some shots here. Got somebody that's got <laughs> got got Dude, quite a, got quite a few bets on the old Heat to win the series. Gonna need him to yeah. knock down some open threes, please. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny because you think if you can't hit shots and you wind up shooting only twenty percent, and you have one of the best shooters in the NBA on the roster, and you're paying him a heck of a lot of money. It might be time to play him more than zero minutes a game. I don't know. That's called me crazy. Uh, my partner and I uh, both believe that Duncan Robinson deserves some minutes here. And uh, I'm actually, I don't know. I don't know. I, I made the prediction that he actually might get the start in game five in Miami. We'll see if that's uh, winds up taking place or not. I suppose not always likely to make those kind of crazy changes, but uh, I think they could use some good shooting there, and Duncan certainly provides it. If, if not the start, at least if Struce, Max Struess winds up missing a couple shots early on, as he has throughout the series, he'll get the quick hook, and we could see Duncan come off some of those dribble handoffs where he can at least tilt the defense and, and make things happen for his teammates because nobody else on Miami's roster capable of stretching the floor, except for Jimmy Butler, who's been your best shooter on the roster. Uh, that's sure. I sense I didn't expect to say at any point during the series. Uh, by the way, Eric Spolstra, nine and two as a home favorite in game fives. Just straight up. That's a nice little tidbit there. Um, but we're going to talk about some awards. So first, let's talk about Coach of the Year. So Coach of the Year gets announced officially today. Uh, Taylor Jenkins wins Coach of the Year. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Does not win Coach of the Year. Monty Williams was Coach <laughs> of the Year. I got that mixed up because... In my head, there was this tweet from Taylor Jenkins congratulating Monty Williams. And I was like, oh, Taylor Jenkins, coach of the year. That was in my head. Monty Williams, very rightfully and understandably, wins coach of the year. Um, I'm tired, David. It's been a long week. It's Monday. Uh, So Monty Williams wins coach of the year. Very understandably. Very. He was a favorite. Should have won it last year, if we're being real. Like, this was to me, this was kind of like a carryover award. Obviously, the Suns finishing with the best record. It makes sense. I just... My only thing here is I don't necessarily know. Like, I can't point to anything this year and be like, ooh, Monty did such a better job this year than last year. Like, the work was done last year in making them into a contender, and he should have won last year. I'm fine with him winning because Monty's a great coach and everyone loves him, and he's obviously done a terrific job with the Suns, and it's kind of like yeah. a, not lifetime, but like your tenure. It's a tenure achievement for what he's done with this team. But it's a little, I guess, surprising that, Again, I understand it's like, well, they had the best record. Okay, but like the groundwork for that was laid last year. I'm fine with it. It just does kind of feel like we're a year behind on things. So I kind of yeah, wonder, like, right. is Taylor Jenkins going to win it next year? What, what's going to be the story? How are we going to catch up next year since we're playing catch up with it with Monty Williams? Well, I mean, if you're going to look at playing catch up, one of the top 15 coaches in NBA history has never won the Coach of the Year award, and that's Eric Spolstra. And, and look, I, I know I'm going to come across as homers here. That's fine. I'll take that. Uh, at the same time, Spo did a phenomenal job with his roster, having missed Jimmy Butler for a prolonged period of time, Bam Adebayo for weeks at a time, Kyle Lowry in and out of the lineup, uh, starting you know several undrafted players throughout the season, et cetera. I mean, name it. Spo has done it. He's got this team in the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and yet – came in fourth in final voting. So that was a little perplexing. As far as Williams is concerned, well-deserved. I get it. Uh, the, the the point I think that he makes him the, the, the deserving as he was, was that he kept it all together. There's something to be said about a team that exceeds expectations as they did last year, despite the fact that they got a really good season for Chris Paul last year, uh, and that he was able to keep them with that same kind of focus and that they recognize there's something great about this team and that they can contend for a title. I, I know the talent's there. 
I know now they've got the experience, the confidence, et cetera, but he plays into that. He enables everybody on that roster and empowers them to feel better about themselves and that to work purposely and together as a group. And there's something to be said for that. And so I think that's one of his greatest strengths. I like that. It's something that everyone loves. Everyone loves money. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just everybody. Uh, I got a chance to interview him a couple of years ago when he was with new Orleans and yeah. it was, it was just a great experience. And he's just, universally below, like there's nobody that has anything bad to say about Monty Williams, which to be perfectly honest with you, in my experience is pretty rare in the NBA. So good, uh, good for, for Monty Williams coach of the year. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported today and Mike Singer, the Denver post confirmed Nikola Jokic will in fact win his second consecutive most valuable player award. Uh, the city of Philadelphia is taking it as you would expect. I saw a tweet from the uh, attorney general from the state of Pennsylvania saying they were going to investigate into voter fraud so that's that's a good time um i mean look this was we we knew this was coming despite the random report that popped up last week from a freelancer that mb was gonna be rewarded on friday uh this is coming down the pike pretty clearly the public votes had indicated it one way i guess my only question for you david is um you know look uh i'm not a nuggets fan i'm a transplant but i do host locked on nuggets so I'll defer to you here. Does Jokic's second MVP put him any differently in, in the course of NBA history? It's weird, right? Because uh, I think he's going to wind up getting overlooked. And I, and I know another two-time MVP is like Steve Nash, who you know was beloved and at the same time doesn't feel like he gets the same kind of deserved respect. Uh, and I think Jokic is going to feel the same way, like, that we're still having discussions all season long, even after a well-deserved second MVP award about Jokic's impact and that he couldn't carry his team deeper into the playoffs when we're overlooking all the goddamn factors that always play into what it takes to make it past the first round of the playoffs, to go on a deep playoff run, like health, the strength of the roster. None of this matters. Like this, He's not a looter in a riot kind of just leading your team uh, and all these incredible categories, like he leads them in so many different statistics, and yet he's just he's just a fantastic player. And I don't know, I, I just think that he's going to wind up getting overlooked, like a two time MVP. And some and somehow I think this is going to be held as a referendum against what the award means, as opposed to the opposite, which is what it should. It should be an indicator of what a great player he is. Instead of people are going to say, "Oh, the MVP award is just given out by a bunch of nerds with calculators," and I hate I hate that discussion. Uh, and I just hate the way it's become this topic of discussion because, you know, real hoopers know that Joel Embiid should win the goddamn award when in reality, Jokic was a fantastic player all season long and carried a ramshackle mess of a roster to a first round playoff team. I mean, that was like, he's a great player. He deserved the recognition. He deserves the award. And Embiid is also a great player. And yes, I can see the point being made now because of what the Philadelphia 76ers have done in the last two games against Miami and Embiid's return, et cetera. But guess what? It's a regular season award. Jokic had a greater regular season than Joel Embiid. My other thing here is like, it not only is it like, is it a regular season? It'd be one thing if it was a regular season award that was voted on this week. Right. It <laughs> This is what's been making me insane is when people are like, ha, they voted Haven't at you home. Like, yeah. you, you want us to take in events that occurred after the time of a decision into the decision? That's not how the space-time continuum works. Well, like, not just the award, the space-time, can, the fabric of space-time is all I'm asking <laughs> for here. Um, my other thing here, I, like, I think Embiid was 
definitely deserving. I thought Jokic was most deserving. I thought Giannis was second most deserving. I made the case for Joel. Like I wrote an entire 2000 word article that broke down his, like, and I learned a lot about how all the good things that Joel is, but yeah, it's been this thing of like, if you, if you have the eye test, I'm like, I've watched every possession of both of these guys. I sat down and I watched possession after possession. Do you have any idea how many fouls I have seen Joel Embiid draw? I have seen so many plays. The Nash comparison is the one that's been brought up. And Nash, it's kind of interesting because it was a similar deal. Nash's actual production wasn't on par with Jokic. Like, yeah, Nash right. average, I think, was 17. Uh, but the thing with Nash that everyone kind of, like, loses in retrospect is, like, Nash made his teammates better. Right. Like, Nash was the definition of a guy that made everybody around him better. And the criticism is, like, yeah, but he wouldn't win the title. He didn't win a title because Robert Ory hip-checked him. That's what, <laughs> like, that's why he didn't win a title. They win that series. If Robert Ory doesn't hip check him, and Mario Stoudemire doesn't come off the bench, they beat that Spurs team. The tide had turned. Um, the other guy that actually got he got compared to the Jokic did was Moses Malone, who won two. And yeah. it's kind of the same deal where everyone's like, well, it's kind of like Moses Malone, which isn't great for him. And I'm like, Moses won two MVPs and an NBA title. What are we doing? Like, Moses is an all time great. Right. He won an NBA title. Right. Um, right. On top of it, on top of that aspect, uh, you just have the fact of there's this idea of like the playoff success. Jokic has been to a conference finals. Embiid is not. Yeah, that's a good like, point. What are we doing? Like Jokic, this is the first, this is the first year without his second and third best players that Nikola Jokic has been eliminated in the first round. I don't mind if you feel that Joel Embiid should have won MVP. I don't think it matters now because guess what? It's been decided. It's over. Like you're wasting time. You're, you're literally wasting breath on it. But if you're going to do this, at least like make the arguments on the merits. Just be like, right. look, if you look at what MB did and how dominant he was and, you know, he, he led the league in scoring as a center, but like make the case, like make, make the case. It, I'll tell you that when you get into the details, it gets hard because mm-hmm. it's like he won more games by two. It just, it gets difficult. But at some level, I I will say I just um, I, I my co-host Adam Mars on Lockdown Nuggets they asked me if if I thought the next year was going to be as toxic in terms of the conversation. Oh yeah, and my answer was well, Joel Embiid is probably going to be in there, and Luka Doncic is probably going to be the one he's competing with. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to going to be a scene. I, I saw I saw an interesting tweet. I'm curious on your perspective on it, and it's kind of changed the way I think about it. But uh, you know, somebody said, and I can't. I wish I could attribute it to. You know, it's the MVP award, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo might be the best player in the NBA, but Nikola Jokic is, was the best, the most valuable player for what his team was able to accomplish. And I think that's a really gr- good way of stating it. Like, Antetokounmpo, I think most people agree, is the best player in the NBA. It's just like LeBron James has been the best player in the NBA for many, many years, but that doesn't mean he wins the MVP every year. It's a resume. Uh, yeah. right? Like, that's kind of the thing is, like, you look at the season as an individual resume. It's a body of work. You know, and this is why I start paying attention to it in November. It's why it's, it's why it bothers me that right. we get these like conversations where a guy will have played terrible in November. And it's like, I, those games mattered. Like there's a reason that they were sub 500 at Christmas or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I think I, I do think at this point, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the, of the mindset of that. Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I think he's deserved that. Yeah. I think yeah. he's, I think he's earned that, that, that case, especially over, like I think with KD, it's any given night. KD any given night, I think is best player in the NBA. But Jokic night tonight, what he's been able to do is incredible, and it's well earned MVP. And now we'll 
go back to, I guess, using the space-time continuum to argue that something should have happened differently in the past. I'm not sure how. Um, <laughs> all right, I need your I want your predictions. Uh, heat Sixers, who wins tomorrow? Uh, I think the Heat take it. Uh, heat too. I mean, I like the yeah. Heat take it. And Mavs Suns, game five in Phoenix. I, I think the Suns win that one as well. Uh, both series tied two games apiece. Uh, I think the, the mojo that the Mavs rediscovered won't be there in Phoenix. Uh, I got to give the Suns credit. Uh, Chris Paul, obviously going to be a little angry, a little chip on that shoulder. Uh, I imagine a pretty big game from him too. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, the fan, we should note that, the fan that was apparently a kid that they said tried to give Chris Paul's mom an unwanted hug. Uh the family, the, those ticket holders have been banned till 2023, so till the end of the year. Um, there was video that leaked, but look, if you, if you know anybody's going to games, just be like, hey, by the way, apparently we need to tell each other that we shouldn't, but right. if you know anybody going to the games, just be like, hey, don't touch any of the players or the families. Just keep yep. your hands yourselves. Apparently we need to, this is something we need to re- reiterate, but that's for the good of everybody. Just keep your hands to yourself. That's a thing. <laughs> I, you know, now that after years of, of covering the league and talking to players and seeing them newsflash here as human beings, yeah. it's kind of hard for me to accept the way that fans yell. I mean, I, I don't even want to go into people who yell racial epithets and things of that sort. That's yeah. just abhorrent and that should never be done. But to treat players the way they do because they're playing a game because you paid your money as a ticket holder or whatever, that's not an excuse for you to be a jerk. Uh, and I don't think what we saw in that game yesterday or what we haven't seen in the video because, you know what, I, I trust Chris Paul. I believe what he's saying. I believe that security throwing out these people is enough proof that he did something he shouldn't have, that his family had to be concerned about their safety because they were in a hostile environment because somebody tried to make unwanted contact with them. That's just not cool. You just don't do it. Uh, it should never happen. And, and as fans, appreciate the game, appreciate the humans that are playing this game for our benefit and also treat them with the respect they deserve. I think a lot of it comes down to, like, I don't think that these people go, like, leave the arena when they say these things or do these things. Right. And then if, unless they face legal consequences, I don't think they think about it again. Like, they just, yeah. like, it's just like it was a lark and just, like, something that they did in the comfort of a crowd, right? Versus, like, if you're right. a player, you're subjected to this always, and it's a very personal experience, and you're Absolutely. very exposed. And just have a little consideration for the other people in the universe, just, like, a little bit. And that's your message for a Tuesday. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. You can follow David on Twitter at DRamil13. You can find me on Twitter at HP Basketball. By the way, the uh, NBA lottery is Tuesday, May 17th, not tomorrow, uh, as I have I apparently cannot. I wouldn't have known. I, I'm sorry. I'm not following it. I, well I apparently that. cannot grasp the space time <laughs> continuum either. But when it does, you're going to want to check out the NBA Big Board, Locked On NBA Big Board. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great week. We'll see you guys again next week. Uh, We'll have hosts for you throughout the week here, continuing in coverage of the NBA playoffs on Locked on NBA. 